I feel it's an opportunity for us as a community who follow Jesus, who love Jesus, to live out Acts 2.42. We speak about this. Now's an opportunity to live it out. And, uh, and, it's, and I, I'd love to get to the place. I had a friend who leads a, a church in L.A., very brave dude. He's like, and he leads in an area that's kind of semi-wealthy, but then there's a lot of poor that kind of stay in council housing. They'd pass the offering along and said, listen, if you need, take out of the offering. If you can give, give. And I think this is a moment where we're doing that for Tlethle. And we long to do this for, we, we do not want to see brothers and sisters who are part of the family suffer and going to want. She'll absolutely be upset with me for even doing this. I know she will. But I really feel it's something powerful that as we do it, she will appreciate it, I know. Um, so, yeah, thank you, Jesus. So, Father, as we give, Lord God, we just pray for Tlethle right now. Would you be the comforter? I read something this week that uh, John Stott wrote. He said, if Jesus didn't suffer and die on the cross, I wouldn't actually be able to follow him. We, ha- we serve a God who has suffered and knows pain so he can comfort us in the time of pain. And I pray for Tlethle right now, Jesus. Your word says that the Holy Spirit is a comforter, the one who walks alongside us. Your name, God, is comforter. And right now, God, as you're sitting in her apartment, thinking about the future plans which she has to go back, Lord, I, I really do pray for your comfort to flood over her. In Jesus' name. On Monday, uh, this is just a little side thing. If you're a guy, please raise your hand. It's good. It's good that you're all sure about that. Um, we are going to be praying on Monday night, but it's only guys. Because I really feel that as a church where we're moving, we need dudes to be dudes. We need to, we need to stand up, lead, take, take our families on mission. We don't often do this, but I really feel like as a, as a group and as a community of guys, let's meet on Monday night from 7 to 7.45. We're going to pray over families. We're going to pray over future families. Single guys, come and pray for your wife. Um, we're going to be praying over the church. It's, it's amazing that in the Old Testament there were, there were elders that stood at the gates and they, 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 let what into the, they let stuff into the city and out of the city. And we, in a sense, want to stand as men, as gatekeepers in our homes and in our lives and, and gatekeepers in this church. We, so are you guys with me? Cool. So all the guys, Monday night, 7 to 7.30, I'm going to chat a little bit about, um, probably give a bit of a guy rev, but I, I really feel like there's... As we move into the next phase of what God has for us, last week there were 320 people in church. Just thank you, Jesus. People, some of you may have come last week and then came back again this week. Great, it's great to have you. But I, I believe we, we gave all the Bibles away. I don't know how many we had, probably about 10, 15 Bibles. Uh, we gave a whole lot of that Ignite like, away. So there's people whose lives have been genuinely changed from last week. So God, we celebrate that. We thank you. God, I pray that the seed that was sown last week and in the weeks to come would just grow, Father. And I pray that as a community, we would just be a community that is, that is set on fire for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Cool. Can you turn in your Bibles, if you have one, or your phones, to Matthew 28, verse 19? We've been doing a series on, uh, on worship. Actually, I'm not going to turn that. It's going to be on the board. 
Um, we've been in a series on worship, which really is just about worship, our purpose, and our identity. It led into Easter. Jake did a great message last week, preached the gospel with fire, and lives were changed. And uh, for me, I wanna, what, what we started with was just really the Westminster Confession, which is in, was written around the 1600s, but it was kind of in one sense, it's trying to make what is the point of man? And they said, what is, what is the chief end of man? And the answer was this. It's that uh, the chief end of man is to know God and enjoy Him forever. And I spoke about how God places us in certain times and in places so we'd somehow reach out to Him. Some of you are sitting here today as followers of Jesus because someone has invited you to church. They've, they've invited you to the truth that they're holding in their hearts, that Jesus can save, heal, restore. He can fix up marriages. He saves you eternally, but he, he changes your life from not only being a life that's headed towards, uh, to, towards hell, and, 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 and even if your life is hell, you can utterly change it and turn it around to John 10.10 10, where it says, I've come to give life and life abundantly. Before that, it says that the devil comes to steal, steal kill, and destroy where God comes to bring life. And I read that scripture, it's not a scripture, quote from St. Francis of Assisi, uh, an early church father. It says, our hearts are restless until we find rest in you. And I remember the moment, that I kind of grew up in a Christian home, understanding all, all about it, but I remember clearly a moment in God where I, where, I, where I understood what it meant by the peace of God in my heart. And that is, that is, the fruit of being a son and daughter of God is that we carry the peace of God in our hearts. John Piper says this, then this is unto the final thing what we're going to be talking about this week. Missions exist because worship doesn't. And I spoke two weeks ago about how our lives are actually made to worship God. And I spoke even physically how we worship God on a Friday and the importance of it, that as we worship God, we, is, we, are enthroned, uh, we enthrone God and on our praises. So if we imagine in our mind, and I think our imaginations need to be used a lot more in church, is that if we close our eyes and imagine as we praise, God's throne is, is set above us and His kingdom rule and reign comes over us. So it's not just songs we sing, we're enthroning God on, the, on our praises of His people. It's a powerful, powerful thing. So I'm talking this week a little Latin term that's become a little bit buzz around church circles, but it's called Missio Dei. Who's heard of that before? I'll be very good. You guys listen to Hillsong, eh? That's good. <laughs> and it really is a Latin term meaning the mission of God or the sending of God. So God not only calls us to find Him, or He finds us, if we think throughout the Bible, we, we get included into His story, but there's an ultimate story that God is planning out. And, uh, and it does include us a personal relationship with Jesus. It does include us personal sins that Jesus took and died on the cross. But there's a greater picture that Jesus is working out through creation and into the fall and into the new heavens that we are a part of. And we need to, we need to almost think of ourselves as this, as this part of this uh, play that we are involved with God. So I want to read just this verse, just the mission of God. It says in Matthew 28, I'm going to read these for you because it's good to start with Scripture. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority. Say all authority. In heaven and on earth. Means Jesus is in charge. He established his rule and reign 2,000 years ago. Legitimately, from that moment, his kingdom has been increasing. Therefore, go. 
and make disciples of all nations. Say all nations. That verse there is why I'm in Dubai. I never came for money. I never came because I thought it was a good idea. It wasn't even on the agenda. I didn't really even know about Dubai before I came. I came because there was a, a genuine call of God. I, I physically got a phone call from Jesus. No, didn't. It was from a person uh, that was hearing from Jesus about coming to Dubai to come and just be involved in a local church. And uh, we eventually grew up in that house and was planted out to start City Lights. And so for me, there was, this, there was this call to the nations that we can never, ever forget as a church. It's why we go to Sri Lanka. It's why we help with Kenya. It's why we, we, we're going to go. Uh, actually, Raquel and Conrad are in Nepal at the moment. Let's, let's just give them, they're not here, but let's give them a round of applause. They've taken their family, and they're going to rebuild a school, am I right, in Kenya? Oh, Nepal. It's one of the three. We either, we're building something in some city. Like, and... Um, it says, go make the disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That is the call and mission of the church. And as believers, we get baptized, saved, may go through a beginner's course or join a community group. And from there, we are commissioned to go do this. It's not for the experts, which I'm going to get onto later. It says, uh, teach these new disciples to obey the commands that I have given you and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus is with us. As we get on his mission, not our own, Jesus walks with us. Incredible, incredible truth. Acts 1.8. We've got Acts 1.8. It says, But you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. In the next few months, we are going to be releasing a few people to different nations. That is the call on our church. My parents are going to be going to Sri Lanka for a year. Jim and Penny are going to be going to Sri Lanka for the rest of their lives. Um, there's, going to be set, there's some exciting stuff happening there, which will definitely give them opportunity to speak about it. But it's going to, he's basically wanting to set up a non-for-profit business. Kacha is going to Kenya very soon, am I right? And uh, that's very sad. She's been such a, a pillar in the church and so involved from day one. But she has been put in charge of, uh, of a company that oversees 125 restaurants, uh, which basically means that, that uh, the, the home in Kenya is going to be sorted for food and jobs for the foreseeable future. That is the gospel. It's not about, it's, I think it must be church planning. There's Garth and Jamie Lee are coming next week. It's incredible that at the same time we're sending people to Kenya and to these different places, there's a church and a home that they can go be involved in. But it's about that. It's about the gospel moving forward. God, placed, God takes a, a single lady who's incredibly competent like Kacha and places her in Kenya in charge of all of these restaurants to be an agent of change. And God empowers us, and it's the call on our church. Kurt and Maya, they went. And I, I long, and I'm going to say this in faith, that we long to, to plant churches from this place. God is going to raise up church planters in this house. He's going to raise up guys who are going to go do other city lights, or if they're going to call it whatever you want, the, the kingdom of God is going to be expanding outwards from this place. It is the call on our church. We are a church on mission. Matthew 9 says this. He says, Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful. There's 
so much ahead of us. The, the harvest in Dubai is plentiful. It says, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. When we get onto God's mission, everything changes. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things. Every single thing will be added to you. It's what an incredible promise. We can stand on these promises that if we go out and baptize in the name of Jesus, now that's going to look different for everyone, but if we go out and baptize and disciple people in the name of Jesus, God is with us. As followers of Jesus, he never leaves our sight. And for me, it's just an incredible thing for what, what this church is going to be going into and is in at the moment. In our DNA, what Stalin and I grew up in is a church that is for the city, that changes the city, that is radical about the city. We love the city because we can reach thousands of people, but we're also for nations, and we're for nations surrounding. So I'm praying that this morning that there's a fresh commissioning in all of our hearts. And I want to talk about how it doesn't matter who you are, what you've done. If you've got no qualifications, all you need is to raise your hand and say, yes, Jesus, choose me. So I'm going to talk just briefly about the big picture of God. Now, I can't do that quickly, but just to, to get an overarching theme of, of the Bible and an understanding of where our place is in the story, it can be split into three things, um, into creation, decreation, and recreation. Not recreation, okay? Recreation. So let's just start with creation. God created the earth. He, he, he said, he looked back and said, it's good. He created man in his image as image bearers, as reflectors of God. God's commission to Adam and Eve was to work the land. So God's original intent was for us to work and to take Eden. And to, so Eden would spread across the earth. There was, there was a man who used to walk in the cool of the day with God. They, used to, uh, they, were, they were naked and unashamed. Okay? That was, that were, and it was, it was, they, were, they were hanging out with Jesus. They were, they were in love. And it, was, it was paradise. God didn't want to make robots. So he simply said this. He said, listen, there's, there's a fruit of the tree that you can't touch. Because if God just made everything good and kind of made them kind of with a leaning towards only worshiping him, they wouldn't worship him out of choice. They'd worship him because they're robots and they have to worship him. Then God would be an unjust God, an unloving God, and he'd be a sense, a dictator that forces people to love him. But God in his goodness just gave away and said, listen, I'm going to make this human race with the ability to choose or not choose me. What an incredible thing. I mean, that's philosophically that blows my mind, okay? If I was God, I wouldn't do that. I'd make my creation just have one focus, you know? And, uh, and anyway, so God made it perfect. Uh, he says, be fruitful, multiply. Then decreation starts. Now, it's, I don't even know if that's even a word, but it's, it's just good for us to understand it. Through man's disobedience to God's instruction, sin entered the world. There was already evil because Satan was there, okay? So there was, there was a, a, a leaning towards that evil could happen. But God, Satan came and tempted Eve. Uh, she, she led Adam astray. Sorry, that's just what the Bible says. Uh, I'm not reading anything out of that. Um, and it clearly shows that, that sin enters the world. There's, there's this, this radical change that, that God comes and he, and, he, and he meets Adam and Eve and he says, and they like hide him because they realize that they're naked. They realize what they've done. They've sinned against God. And God says, where are you? I mean, God knew where they are. 
But he says, where are you? And then it comes out, he ends up killing an animal which covers them, which is a first sign that we need blood to cover us of our sins, which is just these incredible pictures throughout there. And uh, so violence and sin filled the earth instead of Eden filling the earth. Okay, so you had creation, which was good, due creation. And for me, the way I look at it is this. I, I remember growing up, I was probably about three, four years old. There was a, a hot plate. My parents, my dad built his own kitchen, and there was a kind of a hot plate like this with some chairs. The other side of the hot plate, I don't know why that was there. I don't know if that's the way it was built. But anyway, my mom always said, boy, she, call, she still calls me boy. I think she still thinks I'm three sometimes. But yes, yeah, she, she does. And... Um, and she says, boy, don't touch the stove. So what does a boy do when mom says, don't do that? We touch the stove. Obviously, I end up crying. I don't know what happened. I, I don't know if I went to hospital. My, my, my mom spraying some, some of that red stuff on my hand. I was burnt. And that's, in a sense, how God has a, a greater view of the world. He says, listen, don't touch sin, not because I'm trying to be a killjoy, because I can see the end goal of sin in your life, and it's death. The Bible speaks clearly about it. And I mean, it's kind of, it's not probably the greatest analogy, but it helps us understand that when God says, do not do this or do not do that, it's because he wants to protect us. He's a loving father. And if he didn't do that, he wouldn't be a good father. And then the final part is recreation. So you had creation, decreation, recreation. Now, Now, God starts with a man called Abraham, calls this Bedouin, he used to cruise around the intense, and he calls him one night, he was, he was an idol-worshipping Iraqi, basically, and God calls him to a place where he, he says yes to, yes to God, and from there, the Israel uh, nation gets born, from Israel nation comes Jesus Christ, which is the light to the Gentiles and to the rest of the earth. So I wrote a little thing here, you can put the next slide up. The Bible's a six-part play in many ways. It's creation, fall, the nation of Israel, so at the fall of man where sin and pride and yet Babylon, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of really giving a, a massive overview of the Bible here. Uh, yet Israel, then yet Jesus came as an Israeli man. That the church, 40 days later, the, the power of the Holy Spirit touches the church. It's, it's unschooled, ordinary men that have been touched by the Holy, Holy Spirit and power of Jesus. And they go on about recreating the earth. So you can take that off. That's great. God's plan is that we partner with Him in the renewal of all things. There's a verse in, in uh, Revelation where it says, Behold, when the new heavens and the new earth come down, it says, Behold, I make all things new. The word there is not uh, that God brings a whole new heavens and earth. It is actually taken what was old and He makes it new. So that's why when we preach the gospel, we preach the kingdom, we go out on mission, we go out and start businesses for the kingdom, we're actually adding to God's plan, which is the renewal of all things, to take us again back to Eden, to take us again back to the place where his love, joy, peace, it's, it's, it's spread, it's across the earth, and it's through the church, and you and me just picking up whatever is in our hand. Jesus comes and I'm going to read this thing by John Stott. I said it at the beginning. But Jesus came in Philippians 2, and it speaks about that Jesus wrapped himself in flesh. He, though he was completely God, he almost denied his deity, and he came and he wrapped himself in flesh, and he felt pain. He felt the stuff that we go through so he can, he can utterly save us. He, he felt temptation. Have we got Philippians 2 up there? Can we just can I quickly read it? 
who being very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to, to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself to becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus was not like other gods who have a smile on their face and a big belly and they look out and they smile across the, the earth and say, one day you will attain enlightenment. One day you'll, he actually came and he, be, and, he, and he dirtied himself. He got beaten. He was, uh, he was rejected. He felt pain. Some of his best friends died so he could understand us. John Stott says this, I could never myself believe in God if it were not for the cross. In the real world of pain, how could one worship a God who was immune to it? That is the God for me. He laid aside his immunity to pain. He entered our world of flesh and blood, tears and death. He suffered for us. Our suffering, suffering has become more manageable in light of this. Incredible, incredible truth about what Jesus did. And when Jesus came, he came to to start the kingdom of God, There's that, that, that we as, a, as the church would start to co-labor with God for the, for the mission of God, which is the renewal of all things. I just don't want to miss out on some things here. Okay, so we come from Jesus, then the mission of the church. Acts 1 and 2 is so key. It's almost like there's this recreation that's happened where the, it says, wait, wait for me in Jerusalem, then the power of the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you to be my witnesses in Jer- Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. Acts 2, the power of God hits them. They stumble out of the building as though they, they were called drunk. They were so filled with the power of the Spirit. They started to speak the power of God in other tongues, and the gospel spread from that moment across the whole world. Incredible, incredible thing. So I've got three R's for what our purpose as a church is. It's number one, reach, restore or renew. So it's actually four R's, but you can use that and reproduce. I want to just, we reach those who don't know Jesus. So that's why as a church, we long, even last week, well done for inviting people who don't know God or it's their first time in church. Incredible. We need to, we need to be that as a church. We need to be, have an inviting culture where there's, whether it's to community groups or to hanging out on the weekend where people can hang out with people who don't know, who, so Christians hang out with non-Christians so we can win as many for him. So we reach those who don't know Jesus, we renew. For me, this is the part where justice comes in, where, where we see a wrong in the world and we're able, within our power and our ability, we're able to change it and we reproduce, which means we make those, so once we've been discipled, so that's why we have community group leaders, we have leaders in the church, so those people can disciple you, so you can start discipling others. There's a church in the Philippines, um, it's it absolutely exploded. Who's heard of Victory Church? Incredible. This guy went to even said, listen, I'm not a preacher, and my friends tell me that I'm not. But he put in such an incredible strategy where people were, where I think he had a group of 10 people, once they were discipled, that's a group... Uh, kind of disciple another 10 and the thing multiplied where there's now hundreds of thousands of people that know Jesus because of that model. And I think as followers of Jesus, we need, that needs to be fast-tracked in our lives. Don't have to wait to see how for five, 10 years, learn the basics again and again and again. We need to get discipling others. So how do we do this? Number one, get off your mission and get on his. If you're taking notes, like Jake said last week, it's a good thing. Number one, 
We get off your mission and get onto his. Jesus never gave any suggestions in Matthew 28. Charles Swindle says this, whatever we do, we must not treat the great commission like the great suggestion. I love that. Whatever we do, we must not treat the great commission like the great suggestion. It's not a suggestion over our lives as Christians. That God has called us to, to, to lead others to Jesus and disciple them in the ways. We become discipled to this rabbi, to Jesus Christ. And, it's, and that thing ends up like multiplying itself and producing itself. Jesus, I love when, if you, if you just read through the Gospels, he, when he's kind of calling people to follow him, he just says, follow me. It's, it's leave everything behind. The one guy says, listen, I've got, to, I've got to go bury some relatives. He says, let the dead bury the dead. Pick up your cross, follow me, throw everything in. And I think modern Christianity is sometimes, and I, I've been part of it, is that sometimes we can do such a good show on a Friday that, again, church becomes about the building and not about us being a called out people. About us actually taking this gospel inside of us. Oh God, thank you so much. And we go out into the world. And we follow Jesus and we lay down everything for him. Matthew 16 says, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. Say that. Deny themselves. And take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life will find it. And I just, uh, who's heard of Count Zinzendorf, the Moravians? Okay, I'll, I must give a little reading list for us to go through because this is some good stuff. Okay. And so basically the Moravians was around the 16th, 17th century. Uh, there were a group of people that uh, the church never grew to, they say never grew to more than three, 400 people, but they sent out thousands of missionaries to the point where people were selling themselves into slavery to go reach people in the West Indies just incredible move of God where they would deny themselves completely for the sake of others. They caught something of the gospel. And the guy who started that was a guy by the name of Count Zinzendorf. It sounds like Dracula. Um, But he says this. He says, missions after all is simply this. Every heart with Christ is a missionary, you and me. Every heart without Christ is a mission field. And he says this, it will cost you absolutely everything to go through with God, but it will cost you far more not to. My prayer today for us is that there's a fresh commissioning from the Father. That if you have been following Jesus for a day or 10 years, God would ignite something in your heart to want to follow him and lead others to that place. We have to stop making excuses. I wrote down a few things. I'm just single I'm going to wait till I get married, then I'll account for God. Then you get married and you say, I'm now married, but I have to work, save, I have to go to a brunch. Um, I, I want to travel, I want to do all these things. Then it gets to the next phase of it, I now have babies. I'm too tired. Well, that is a reality, a rhyme. <laughs> that's the only one I put like a little thing. That's, it's no excuse, but it's just you, you'll do the job very tired, in a tired way. I now have babies, I'm too tired, I have no time and I have no sleep. Then your kids get to the age where they start playing sports. I can't come to church, serve, can't get involved in the week. My kids either have extra murals or they're playing rugby in the morning. So, you know what, I'm going to just go sacrifice to those gods instead of to the, the living God. And then eventually your kids get into university. There's no time there. You get to a point where your kids start having kids. You know, our grand, grandparents, you say, I'm now retired. I have grandkids. I have no time. And then the next phase after that, what is it? You're dead. 
We can make excuses our whole life. Mission is meant to be part of who we are. It's in our DNA. It's not meant to be an extra thing that we have to, oh, we have to go to another meeting. It's once we've accepted that we are completely God's, then every, everything else is easy from that place. I was listening to a guy the other day on YouTube, and he was just talking about, the one guy asked him, so how do you disciple your kids into mission? He says, from a young age, you have to tell them that their toys are not their toys, that it's for others, that this home may be for others. I remember Starla telling me a story when her parents planted the church in South Africa. She was 14, 15. She's like, she always had to get changed because there's always people in her lounge because they were having church in their lounge. She couldn't walk out in her pajamas to people where church was happening in their lounge because there's people's lives getting changed. We, if you have kids here, teach your kids from a young age to be missionaries. I know they're doing that in Sunday school. So whether you do it or they do it, it's probably better if you do it. But Suzanne and the team, those kids are little firecrackers. They're leading people to Jesus. But teach, everything in your life becomes about mission. It's like, okay, I want to buy a new car. God, do I want a car with a two-seat or four-seat because I can give more people a lift to church? I remember Johnny saying um, he didn't have a car for many, many years and relied on lifts with many people. He says, I'm going to intentionally get a big car so I can lift other people. He was someone else was like that as well. Every, every part of our lives, let's, let's make it about mission to the Father. Let's, let's start to reorganize how we do things. I know people say, well, I'm really busy at work. I finish at 7. Okay, so what do you do between 7 and 9? Do you sit down and watch TV, or can you invite someone over for dinner? Can you, and it doesn't have to be every week, whatever, but just have this mindset where it changes from being inward focus to be outward and to live for others. Empty ourselves for the sake of others. The second point and we'll race through these quickly. You're already commissioned. You are already commissioned. It says in Acts 4, 13, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. The only qualification you need is to follow Jesus and do what he says. You don't need a degree. You don't even need to go through a course. All those things are good and helpful. But you have already been commissioned to do the Great Commission. If you've been baptized and you're following Jesus, that is the call on your life. And if you look, if you're just looking at, so there is a few drips coming through in the rain. That's great. We praise God for the rain. Um, If you look at the disciples, most of them, they say were under 20 years old except for Peter which is just such an incredible thing. Like these guys, by the time they were late 20s, early 30s, these guys were the pillars of the church of the church in Jerusalem. They went from their place and they discipled nations where they were all martyred except for John. And these guys were in their early 20s. There is no excuse. They were fishermen, tax collectors. There was a, a zealot, which is basically a terrorist. Jesus chose to be part of his team. There's no excuses. We need to live for him. Third point, love thy neighbor. Simple. Who is your neighbor? It's the one you find closest to you. It could be someone that is uh, next door to you. It could be, you don't have to go to Sri Sri Lanka to to get on mission. That's a good thing because it gets our minds out of the richness of Dubai. And uh, I think in many ways, the falsity of what we live in. And you get back to the real world, what is happening with real people. And, um, but I think our neighbor is the one closest to us. Jesus just calls us to love people. Simply, that's, that's it. Love thy neighbor. Bring hope, share a meal, listen to someone, 
beer sharing at a Starlet met with someone this week, a friend of hers, and she literally was just listening in. As she starts to talk, you can see the gospel is being worked out in her heart, and she doesn't even know it. Incredible thing. And finally, fourth point, think bigger. Can the worship team come up, please? Think bigger. If we believe that Jesus has been given all authority on heaven and on earth, we need to think bigger. We don't need to wait for sometimes a word from God to do something for God. We just need to step out and do it. I wrote down a few things. There's injustices in the city around us, in the, in the nations around us. We, you and me, have the keys to change it. We have the commissioning of God already over our lives and in our lives. And can we all stand to our feet? I, Forgive me if I've told this story, but um, I was listening to a preach recently of this girl who was a, a banker in, um, in London earning a lot of money. She got involved in the local church, and one of the pastors said, listen, what is in your hand? What is the thing that you can use for my glory? So she kind of just did a bit of inspecting around. She realized that in London there's so many people that are throwing away good food because it may not be good enough to to display or it might be off cuts of vegetables from these fancy restaurants that they can't use. So she started to take that and she started to make chutney. I love chutney. Chutney is awesome. But she started to make different chutneys from this, from this leftover stuff. And what started to happen is that the business slowly grew. She started employing people who were disadvantaged, who didn't have uh, the opportunities in life. And she started employing them, only disadvantaged people in London living in council flats, and they started to earn a living through this thing. It eventually was picked up by Jamie Oliver. It was picked up by uh, Waitrose. It's this, now it's this company that is thriving with the heart behind it of all this gold that was saying, I can make, I've got a chutney recipe that my grand gave me. And for me, that's how simple the gospel is. First of all, we need to preach it with everything in our lives, is that I live for others. We need to settle that in our hearts. In a, in, a, in a society like Dubai where it is very self-centered, it's me-focused, we have to shift our thinking to say, Jesus, I live for others first. If that doesn't happen, nothing else will happen. Secondly, you can say, what is in my hand? I can make a meal. I can be friendly. I can invite someone to church. I can serve in the local church. I think the best way to get missional is realizing that sometimes cleaning up on a Friday or throwing away a dustbin is part of this mission that we on as a community. Volunteer yourself. I'm not just give your lives away. Give it. Say, Jesus, I'll do anything for you. So can we close our eyes, please? Father, we do pray for a fresh commissioning this morning. That Jesus we would be people who know and uh, we would be known as those who give their lives away recklessly for your cause, for your gospel. We don't want to be safe anymore, Jesus. We want to be a church that is not just about meetings, but about people's lives in the week being changed, where we do stuff that changes cities, that changes societies. If that is you, I, and, you and you're just saying, God, I, whatever you've walked through in your life, but you say, Father, I want to be freshly commissioned today, or we even be commissioned for the first time. Do you want to raise your hand? Because I'd love to just pray with you. 
That's awesome. So, Father, do you see the hands raised? This is a standing up, a commissioning and saying, God, there's, there's more. You can pray this in your heart, but just pray, God, I give my life to you afresh. For your gospel, for your kingdom, for your truth.